2022 NFL regular season wrapped up. It was a bit of a, I'm not going to say boring regular season. I mean, just somewhat anticlimactic. I was thinking the other day, a lot of times with head coaches being on the hot seat, quarterbacks being disgruntled, um, maybe even something just politically going on socially, you know, there's usually big news out there. Now we had DeMar Hamlin. That was for the wrong reasons. And sometimes it is for the wrong reasons, but not to that degree. Um, this NFL season just kind of lacked, uh, uh, conflict. And I, I didn't know when the climax was going to come. It just never seemed like it did. We had some good teams. We didn't have any great teams. When you actually look at it, there was no dominant force out there. And MVP is a little bit shaky between Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow. I love all NFL football, but this season was just a little bit different. So I'm hoping the playoffs can make up for it. And we're going to chat about that. Definitely want to talk about the Bears in the number one overall pick because I think there's just wildly different views inside football operation and kind of what the public is being fed from the media on what the Bears might do. Lamar Jackson might not be a Raven anymore. Uh, I'm going to pick the playoff games, how I think they're going to go. Talk about Sean Payton and Sean McVay. Cliff Kingsbury got fired. Carlos Correa. Aaron Rodgers might be done in the NFL, though I doubt it. We'll get to it all right now. It's episode 105 of the podcast. You know, it seems weird kind of talking about it since we're in January. It's not even for another is it three or four months? I believe it starts in late April. One year they push it back to May. I think it was COVID and actually did that a couple other years. But the NFL draft, it's such an intriguing time because of the selections and how they can really catapult you. They really, really can. And number one overall is now with the Bears, unexpectedly somewhat, because the Texans won the football game. It does show you that Houston, they're not really valuing any one player too high since they were fighting their asses off. Now, it's Lovey Smith and the Texans who've won two games. Players, they do not give a rip about prospective college players. Never have, never will. They have respect for NFL players, and they want to beat NFL players. They're not going to worry about some pick that likely may not even work out in the end, though they can have an immense impact on your franchise. And the Bears are now in position to have their pick at whatever they want. So it's really mind-boggling to me that the media, I always like to take shots at them, don't I? But it's for a reason. I feel like I got evidence on this one that there's a wildly different perception of Justin Fields with the public than in front offices. Mike Tannenbaum quickly tweeted out that the Bears will have to seriously consider taking a quarterback if this Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is better day one than Justin Fields is right now. And there's a good possibility. I don't know too much about either Stroud or Young, but I do know you got to do your research. It's not like you have Patrick Mahomes or you got Trevor Lawrence or if you got Troy Aikman and your team stunk and you knew that you had a quarterback that you wanted to invest in and you didn't have to essentially scout the NFL crop of quarterbacks. It's not like that. Justin Fields has not proven that. I know he makes sensational plays with his legs. He's got Lamar Jackson-type athleticism. And I don't think that the Bears have truly benefited him in the way they have run their offense. However, it's clear that Justin Fields is nothing more than a very talented running back that can drop a 
big time bomb every now and then. When you're talking about scanning the entire field, manufacturing a drive through the air, when it's a drop back game, when it's a 30 point game, when you have to have a passing drive in the fourth quarter, he is never going to reach that level. He will not. Lamar Jackson, light years ahead of him as a passer. He'll never reach that. And I think if Ryan Pace and this new front office with the Bears, if they're smart football people, and again, I'm not so sure of that. I don't agree with a lot of their moves, but I'm not going to say that they cannot assess what a good quarterback looks like. If they are smart, they're definitely taking a look at this quarterback class, number one overall. And you know what? It's not as simple as saying, Justin Fields, you're no longer on our team. We're giving up on you. I would reposition him. I would make him a gadget wide receiver, running back, quarterback, passer, whatever, and go with this new look offense. You could really blaze a trail if you're the Bears and having two guys that can throw the ball, one that's better, and another guy that's just a weapon out of the backfield. Now, would Justin Fields go for something like that? Would his agent, this is the likely route, force a trade out of Chicago? Probably. He probably wants to be a quarterback, but ask yourself this question. If Justin Fields were a free agent today, would teams be lining up to sign him? I don't think so, outside of maybe one, two, three downtrodden franchises. And even if they were to take a flyer on him or sign him up as soon as he were available, not like they would have success. Look around the league. A lot of people have quarterbacks that they want to build around and that they want to have on their team the next one, two years. Justin Fields would not have a market. I will tell you this. I posted my thoughts on this very topic on Twitter yesterday during NFL Sunday. Quickly, my friend texted me about what I thought the Bears might do with the number one pick. Anyway, I kind of told him what I'm saying now, and we placed a wager. I'll call my friend Daniel. $200 I placed that Justin Fields is not going to be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears in 2025. Daniel thinks he's stealing from me. I think I'm stealing from him because if you're Chicago, not only do you have to look at the number one overall pick for a QB, I'm also looking at Ryan Tannehill. I'm looking at Derek Carr. I'm looking at Gardner Minshew, Baker Mayfield. Don't love him so much. Jimmy G, I would love him if he were available. But all of that is on the table because in two years with Justin Fields, I love the player. I think he should be on the Bears think he should be in the NFL, but as a passer, he is never going to be adequate enough. All right, so the Baltimore Ravens, kind of a weird situation for them. Didn't seem like they were really trying too hard knowing that the Bengals already have the North and that they're likely going to be playing them next week anyway, and it'll be a coin flip for home field advantage. Um, You know, they didn't score any points. I think they got 13 Uh, Bengals really took it to them and we'll see what happens in the playoffs next week but the whole question of their team is whether Lamar Jackson is going to play or not he's missed five games with his PCL injury and you know things have been weird Harbaugh had the comments last week like I'm not talking about it anymore which kind of signals that he doesn't want to talk about a player that's not there it's something that he doesn't do it signals though that they're not expecting him anytime soon and you have to think that this is a business decision, as a b- decision, excuse me, as prime time, like to say, Deion Sanders. 
Lamar Jackson's doing this for the contract. And you know what? I'm not even going to hate on the guy too much. You can't really call yourself a team guy, though, as he as he has, and then make a move like this if you really do want to put it out on the line for your team. And even if he does come back, a runner and having to make big-time throws in the playoffs, something that he doesn't make as many passes as a traditional franchise guy, you know, he could be pretty rusty in a playoff game. Really could. And the Bengals, they put up a lot of points, which means that you're going to have to have a lot of offensive drives if you're Baltimore. Do you really feel comfortable going tit for tat with Joe Burrow after Lamar's missed five weeks? I get it. You want him in there over Huntley and whoever the hell they played uh, on Sunday. But this is not lining up to be a potentially good ending to the 2022 season with Baltimore. They're going to have to franchise tag him. And he's pretty adamant that he wants a fully guaranteed contract. And you know what? If you're Lamar Jackson, teammates love him, coaches love him, front office does, never gotten in trouble, has an MVP, has been spectacular um, for if, during his NFL career, you probably do want to look at a guaranteed contract if Deshaun Watson can get that. Now, the owners come out and said, he's pretty much not going to do that. And the contracts thereafter have not been guaranteed. So that's why I said back in in August, you need to take the contract right now. Like betting on yourself, yeah, you you can say you bet on yourself and you got it done, but sometimes you don't get it done. It happened to Le'Veon Bell. Sometimes the smart decision is swallowing your pride and taking the the big bucks, even if it's not the biggest of dollars. And Lamar Jackson, he's he's missed some games now. He's probably not going to play in a playoff game. It's going to be a little murky if he does get franchise tag, and then teams want to trade for him. I've heard the Jets might want to do that. The Jets are going to have questions like, hey, what happened at the end of the year? Did you just tap out? That's not going to bode well with teams. GMs don't like that. Head coaches don't like that. I'm not saying he's not going to have a market. I'm not going to say that he's not going to make a lot of money. But this is definitely hurting him, and it's becoming a little Le'Veon Bell-like. And he'll get some money, but the fully guaranteed, and maybe even being a Ravens uniform, it might not happen for Lamar Jackson. So only six games this weekend, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then one on Monday. I don't love the one on Monday. Competitive balance, I don't like spreading it out. I get it, though. I just like, from a consumer standpoint, three and three Saturday, Sunday, take up my whole weekend. And it's one of the more fun weekends because you can dedicate your full attention to each one. And, you know... I think I've said it before, I try to do two screens. Really, a lot of times, you just get locked in on one game, and then you look over at the second one, and you're kind of confused at what's happening. I don't do red zone because it's just the end zone. You're only only getting the scoring drives. I like to see how it develops. Um, So this time of year, it's nice. You're able to pay attention to one singular game, and then the next one comes up, and you just sit on your butt for two whole days watching football. And when you don't have hobbies like myself, that is that is glorious. And the first one that we will have is going to be on Saturday in San Francisco. Brock Purdy, Seattle Seahawks, NFC West classic matchup. It reminds me of Sherman and Kaepernick and Crabtree. And, you know, it's funny to think that that's now 10 years ago that that happened. Like, holy smokes, we're now in 2023. I remember watching that in college and Man, that was just really when Seattle was hitting their stride and uh, you know Harbaugh was in the league. This game, I like Seattle to 
keep pace for a little bit, but the way they are able to get after the quarterback in San Francisco, I think it's going to be tough for their young offensive linemen. This is where veteran savviness, the pass rush plan on San Francisco is going to come into play against good but inexperienced rookie offensive tackles. I think that will get to him. I think Gino will be under pressure, and Gino under pressure does lead to some interceptions. I love my guy Gino. I think he's made of the right stuff. He's had a great year. He's proved the doubters that he can be a starter in this league, but I do like San Francisco coming out on top for that reason and because it's going to be in Santa Clara. Now, as far as Jacksonville, Los Angeles, Chargers are sneaky getting hot here. They're, they're getting healthy. They obviously have a quarterback that physically can do it all. I do think there's a little bit little to be desired with Justin Herbert, but you know Jacksonville, they did just kind of sneak into the playoffs for a reason. Now it's going to be home field. It's going to be rowdy, probably. Probably, but I think Los Angeles on the road goes in there and gets the W simply because a little bit more talent. And Trevor Lawrence, he's played better this year, but he's still prone to make a lot of mistakes during each and every game. And we saw that on Saturday where he missed a wide open wide receiver. If he continues to make that and he's been doing it all year, I don't think he's going to eliminate those. I like to see Herbert making more plays than Lawrence. And then on Sunday, Buffalo, Miami, it just seems like it's Buffalo's year. They're rallying around this, you know, cardiac arrest thing, which obviously was, was horrible. We haven't talked since then, uh, but I think it's ignited the team. In, in a bad situation and I, I just you know third string quarterback th- this is going to be a, a cakewalk for Buffalo uh, Minnesota they're going to be hosting the Giants I like New York going in there playing tough this is one I can't say right now I really think it's going to be a field goal game like the last time when they were in Minnesota just like a month ago they played them very hard I could see the Giants getting it done but Minnesota has played in close games all year. That experience is great. The 11-0 record is fluky. They're not that good. That's just a really strange thing, but it does bode well to their confidence. I really don't know which way to go here as of Monday, but I am inclined to pick the New York football Giants, but it will be a field goal game, I think, when it's all said and done. Baltimore, Cincinnati, another one. You know, Lamar, is he playing? He's not playing. If he's not, of course it's going to be Joe Burrow. These guys know how to win in a shootout, drop back game in the playoffs. It's at home in Cincinnati. I don't see the defense of Baltimore, who's been suspect all year, getting it together. This is going to be the Bengals. And then Monday night, Tampa Bay, Dallas. It's in Tampa. Dallas had the dud here this past Sunday. First knee-jerk reaction is... Dallas is going to get back on track. I do think, you know, they're an okay team. They're not a great team. I think they can bounce back in a week, go into Tampa Bay and get the win. Tom Brady's never lost the Cowboys. I get that. But from a passing attack standpoint, they are going to be able to erupt in this Todd Bowles defense. Because Todd Bowles defense, it doesn't even resemble any of his past units I mean I I look at this defense and I see a lot of the names but the pass rush is taking a hit they're a lot slower it's the end of the year they're old they got in because it's a bad division I think Dallas could wear them out and if they can get some success on the ground game early it's going to open things up through the air and and they'll be able to pull away I think 
could be close at the beginning, but I do think Dallas gets back on track, and I think they go into Tampa Bay and take down the Bucks. So Cliff Kingsbury was fired today, and you know something that we all saw coming. The rumors were flying the entire season once the franchise took a 180, and really it started last year because they got slow down the stretch, and that was just the story of Cliff Kingsbury altogether. Um, he, he had some success, but they ultimately faded each and every season. And backing up a little bit, he came in because he was young, good-looking, offensive play caller, was going to be the head coach, could relate to young players. And as the Bidwells put specifically in the press release, he knew Sean McVay. It was back when that was in vogue, 2019. You had Zach Taylor, you had Cliff Kingsbury, you had Zach, uh, uh, Matt LaFleur all get head coaching jobs. And, you know, some of them have done a, a good job. I think LaFleur's a bit of a fraud. I think Zach Taylor's also one. I think we'll all remember that Zach Taylor wildly just odd beat Andy Reid in Chiefs Kingdom during an AFC championship game. That'll be something that we look back on 20 years from now like, how the hell did that happen? Now, he's got the Bengals playing pretty good, but I think this is a Joe Burrow situation, and their team could be playing way better complimentary football. And then, of course, you know, uh, uh, you got Kingsbury. And, you know, the team improved, but their entire just operation, you know, they're, they're just focused on calling plays and, and getting wide receivers and, and, and just, you know, balling out. That that doesn't work in the NFL. These are grown men, and your quarterback is five foot ten. And what happened as the season went along? The team broke down physically. They weren't tough. They had soft tissue injuries. Guys were out all the time. They started fast, and then they didn't have the depth because they were lavish in free agency. Gave away their picks for DeAndre Hopkins. wasn't going to work out, and it just continues this silliness by the Bidwells, who are great people, very charitable to St. Louis, the hometown here. But from a football standpoint, it's just where careers, they they, they sign the, the Emmett Smiths, the J.J. Watts, and it, they get them on the back half of their careers, and they don't actually get anything out of them, maybe outside of Kurt Warner. So, you know, they, they got a major, major hole to fill, and I don't know who wants to coach Kyler Murray. He's got bad body language. Uh, attitude is bad. You know, he's attacking the media for the for the uh, film study clause, and it's like, bro, you, your team put that in your contract that you need to watch film. I don't know why you're attacking the microphones uh, out out at the out of the journalists. Doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, you got the other teams: Sean McVay and the Rams. It's gotten really fishy. It's gotten really weird, and it sounds like he is bailing hard. And you know, look, he he got his championship ring. And John Madden didn't coach forever. He spent 10 years with the Raiders, and then he went to the booth. Now, I don't know if Sean McVay wants to do that. My guess is he will want to coach football again, but he's leaving a situation where you know, they don't have any picks. They're not going to be good for a number of years, and really all he knows is winning. That's all he's ever done is win. He's never had a losing year with the Rams, and he's in his 30s. He's just like, well, why the hell would I stick around for this? I know I can go to another team at the drop of a hat that is ready to win. So it sounds like he's going to take a year off, maybe do some uh, studio analysts. I don't know if he's just going to dive right in to broadcasting because uh, as far as play-by-play, color commentator, that's actually a lot of travel. 
I don't know if people understand that when you do a game, even if it's just once every Thursday or Sunday or Monday, whatever, you have to travel to that game and you spend the first few nights going to practice, conducting interviews, going out to eat with your crew to build camaraderie and rapport so it translates on air. It's a lot more work than people think. That's why Bruce Arians came out of the booth to go coach the Buccaneers in 2019. So, you know, McVay, the Rams will be losing a great coach. And you have to think that if he's out, do they not go look at Sean Payton? I mean, they probably would love to do it with Fox, do a Sean swap, McVay for Payton. Payton probably would not want to coach the Rams, but it would obviously be a great fit because he does live in Southern California. And, you know, Sean Payton, he's going to have his pick at the litter here. Denver's already requested to interview him. I don't know why the hell Denver thinks they can get him if Nola wants a first-round pick. Denver doesn't have any first-round picks. Number two, why would Sean Payton want to go coach in the AFC West? If he is, it's going to be with Justin Herbert, probably not with the Denver Broncos. You get a better situation playing in a dome, uh, an owner that's less hands-off, an owner that's not new, quarterback that's been playing better of late. I still think Wilson has some good ball, uh, but you'd also have to kind of uh, you know, cater to him a little bit. So I really don't know if Sean Payton comes out this year. I think maybe he does interview, but he stays out on the sideline and, and waits for another potential job. He doesn't seem like a guy that's going to make a rash decision and just jump to the first one that opens up the very next year. Um, but yeah, Peyton to the Rams would be a good fit. Sean McVay, I think he's good as done. And the Cardinals, I think they're going to have trouble finding a guy that wants to coach Kyler Murray. Hard to believe that Carlos Correa and the Mets cannot figure this out. You had an owner come out and say, we needed one more piece and this was it. And then the physical turns out not to be what they thought it was going to be, but it's now the second team that's done it. You would think that the player is entitled to some sort of assurances if you're going to agree to terms. Now, Scott Boris has turned around and started talking to other teams, but Carlos Correa is going to have a real tough time landing anything near 315 over 12. Now, I don't know why they cannot just put incentives in there that if you play X amount of games in your beginning years, you'll get the guaranteed money come your middle years and last years. I'm not understanding why it's that difficult, but then again, the language, the medicals, the doctors and what they're saying, all way above my pay grade. But what I do know is that if the Mets do land Carlos Correa, Queens is going to be the biggest show in town as far as Major League Baseball. What this does is buy you floor. Free agency does not buy you a championship. It doesn't put you over the top. It buys you floor, and then you have to have the prospects, the cheap young talent, to actually pay above their pay grade. So then you can make moves at the deadline to improve your roster once you know what type of team that you have. But someone like Carlos Correa, yeah, he makes an impact, but it doesn't actually extend your ceiling. It really heightens your floor. So, yeah. I, I think the Mets need to get this done. I think both sides want to get it done. It's just kind of a bit of a head scratcher why this is taking weeks on end. Um, you know, in very soon here, another team could scoop in, agree to terms, and then he's going through that physical process. And, you know, a third failed physical, that'd be a real downer for them. Uh, ultimately, I think the Mets and Correa get it done, though, and he'll be in Queens come March. You know, it, 
felt like it when you just turned on the TV and he's putting his arm around Cobb and he's looking up, looking around. He's holding on to the jersey after Jamal Williams asked him for it. Aaron Rodgers, I don't see him retiring like this. I really don't. I know football isn't the world to him. I know he doesn't uh, eat, sleep, and breathe championships, but I do know that he's competitive, and I do know that he has an ego, and I do not think that he's just going to go out his last game at Lambeau having a dud out there against the Lions. I do not see that happening. I think he's going to continue to do this. Got a lot of things to consider. Got a lot of things to think about. Reflection. uh, Kumbaya. Namaste. Whatever the hell he does, I know he's going to give me that uh, rigmarole come February, March, and he'll be on Pat McAfee, and we'll get some good stuff. And I, I love the content. He is interesting, but he's not going out like this. Now, on the other hand, if you're the Green Bay Packers, do you really want to go through this again? I mean, honestly, it's just another year, and you got a coach that clearly is not fully capable of handling the entire operation. And do you really just want to be beholden to Aaron and whether he's into it or not? He definitely picks and chooses which games he actually cares about and which seasons he actually cares about. 2020, 2021, he gave a shit because he knew that Jordan Love was drafted uh, in 2020. I just don't know if Green Bay is going to want to go with this needy player who doesn't show up in the offseason doesn't get his guys ready to go, and then they don't hit their stride again until October. That's what happened here with Green Bay. They're not in the playoffs right now because of what happened September, October. And it's a long season in the NFL. I understand that sometimes it takes that. But Tom Brady, age 45, he's showing up at OTAs. Now, he had to take a brief hiatus because his marriage was on the fritz in uh, training camp. That was a bit of an outlier there. He felt like he had to for the sake of his family. But every year, he's had OTAs with the exception of like a couple. Yet, Packers, they're undergoing a transformation as far as their wide receiving core, and this guy can't show up because he's out in the jungle, you know, uh, pooping in the woods and, and, and smoking weed and doing mushrooms, whatever the hell he does. I know he's talking about all these uh, recreational drugs that he's been doing and, and how it's good, and he's dating Blue Ivy or whatever. But other quarterbacks that have success, they're going through these things. I remember Joe Flacco. <laughs> it was after he got, uh, or after Lamar Jackson was drafted. That was the first season Joe Flacco f- threw with his wide receivers in the offseason. It's like, Joe, what the hell? You were supposed to be doing that your entire career. That's what separates the greats and the goods. And I just think if you're Green Bay, do you want to run it back with him? Or do you kind of want to just move on from this uh, uh shaky temperament that is Aaron Rodgers whether he's balling or bailing and we'll see what they do but I would not be surprised at all if the Packers make the decision before Rodgers himself follow rate review Apple Podcasts Spotify Amazon wherever you listen we're on all platforms uh yeah tell your friends tell your family think about doing some video content keep your eyes out for it um, at Pete4C on Twitter, uh, not on Instagram and Snapchat anymore, Facebook. Only my grandparents and mom are on there, so you won't find anything on, on that one. But yeah, keep an eye out on Twitter. I'll also blast it uh, here on the podcast if and when we launch, but kind of want to put a face to all these takes so that way you guys can fully understand me. 
I did like tweeting, but then I brought it here on air so you can hear my voice, my tone, my pace, my diction, just get a better idea of context of what I'm saying. And I might even go video. So uh, at Pete4C on social media, the podcast spelled the same way as the show, the podcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and send me an email, send me questions, comments, anything that you want read aloud here on the podcast. I'll read it and answer it. And yeah, let's keep this thing going. Appreciate all your listens and tell your friends and we'll see you next time.